Our final update before the Bills face the Buccaneers, an injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, and my five predictions for Thursday night are all coming your way today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Well, folks, this is going to be kind of like kind of like a Saturday podcast or a Friday afternoon podcast. The last conversation that we're going to have before the Bills face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football. We did our crossover conversation in the last episode, so it's a double drop day here, and we did the full primer yesterday, so plenty of content that should get you ready for Thursday Night Football. But we got a few more things to talk about today, including my final thoughts, a big-time injury update with Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills, where we talk about Josh Allen's shoulder, Von Miller's knee, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver. That's coming up, and five predictions for Thursday night, and we're going to Switch up our process there a little bit as well. I also have a pretty cool announcement here coming up later in the show uh, regarding the subtext and what I'm adding to it very, very soon. But let's get into these final notes. We'll start with the Bills making an addition to the practice squad. And I'm expecting some roster moves to be happening here over the next few days with potentially some players going on injured reserve and the corresponding moves that come with that. But what we do know at this point is Ely Anku is back. Bill's defensive tackle has been on the practice squad for the last few years, and I think he's a really nice fifth defensive tackle practice squad type player that can come in and be reasonable for you a lot more than what you're getting out of a Kendall Vickers. And so I'm pretty excited about this. One of the comments that I made prior to Daquan Jones uh, getting injured was that, look, Ely Anku got signed off the Bills practice squad to the Atlanta Falcons. And that was not great because Daquan Jones got injured and then you had Ed Oliver injured last week. Maybe he misses this game. Not sure as of the recording of this podcast, but that depleted your depth a little bit. And the Falcons released him on Tuesday and it was pretty quick that the Bills had Elianku back on their practice squad. So I'm excited to see that happen. Also, the Bills this week restructured the contract of offensive tackle Deion Dawkins, and that freed up about $4 million in cap space to bring the Bills to about $5 million in available cap space. And of course, the timing of this makes you perk up because the trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So that's Halloween, 4 p.m. Eastern time is the NFL trade deadline. And the Bills ahead of that, just a few days ahead of that, created some cap space. And so you can't help but think, is a move coming? Well, What it probably does mean is that Brandon Bean is positioning himself to explore some trade possibilities. And, you know, we've 
gotten into some trade discussion here on this show. I've certainly done a lot of trade discussion over on my Bleacher Report streams. But you think about wide receiver, maybe a Hunter Renfro, maybe a veteran linebacker, maybe a corner, maybe a defensive tackle. The bottom line is the Bills have created some space for them to make a move if Brandon Bean does see something that he wants to pounce on. Now, I want to add some thoughts to that. But first, I want to get into a little bit of a conversation about the state of this team offensively and defensively, because there's been struggles on both sides of the football. And a lot of our conversation has been focused in on the offensive side of things. And to me, that makes sense, right? That's the unit that's been mostly healthy. That's the unit that has Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and a veteran offensive line and, uh, you know, young skill players that you're excited about and some veterans as well, right? And it's not played to the standard. And I said something, and I've mentioned this a few times this week, but I think it's important for, for me to remind you of this. I said something prior to the Jags game, and I said, look, this is a Mike Caldwell coach defense, and that is a lot like what the Bills are going to face offensively in terms of the defenses the next several weeks. So Jaguars, Giants, uh, Patriots, and, and Buccaneers now, right? Four very, very similar defenses. They're odd fronts, they're man coverage, and they blitz. And that's what's happening again. So you, you have this relationship between the Bills offense struggling and a very similar style of defense that they're going up against. And so for the last three weeks, we've all been quite disappointed with the Bills offense, especially early in games. And now they get to go up against another very similar defense in terms of what that looks like. And look, the next opponent is the Cincinnati Bengals. Lou Anaruma, the outstanding defensive coordinator that they have, a very adaptable scheme. And so if the trend continues, I promise you, Lou is going to do all the same things that have continued to give the Bills problems offensively. So I'm curious how much of the execution issues are just rooted in bad matchups. And I'm not making an excuse. That's not okay. You've got to be able to figure it out, especially because you've had so much exposure to it. But I think it's worth pointing out that from a scheme and philosophy perspective, the Bills' defensive or offensive issues have come against very similar looking and styles of defense, and that is unlikely to change anytime soon, especially Thursday night against the Bucks, and then what the Bengals are capable of being scheme-wise. And so that gets me into what may be the bigger question is the defensive side of the football because, look, for the offense, it's just about getting more out of what you have, right? Guys playing better, executing. There's a path. Like, you can look at it and say, yeah, this can get better, right? It, it, it can get better. Barring significant injuries, they're going to play better. They're going to get more out of their players. Defensively might be the bigger concern. You have injuries. Trey White, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones are not coming through those doors. And there was a tweet that came out this week about DVOA, and it's a really great way of measuring defensive success. For the first four weeks of the season, the Bills were second in the NFL in defensive DVOA. The last three weeks, they're 28. There's been a huge drop-off, huge drop-off. And I went through that very intentionally uh, after the Patriots game, and I talked about how bad the Patriots offense has been and what their statistical norms were and then what that looked like against the Bills. And, I mean, they blew everything out of the water. They were a completely different offense. And so while we have spent a lot of times being concerned about the offense here, Maybe the bigger conversation to have is on the defense. And where that becomes a harder conversation is you don't have your guys. 
I mean, think about that from a salary cap perspective. Trey White, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, not helping you. And let's be honest, Von Miller, not helping you right now. Ed Oliver, didn't help you last week. There's a lot of cap space committed to guys that are supposed to be impactful for you that aren't available. So how does he get better? The conversation to get better on offense is easy to me. Defense is where it gets tough because you don't have your guys. And that doesn't even include the week-to-week injuries, right? We can't live in this world where we assume that, well, the guys that they have are the guys that they have. There could be more injuries. We've seen Ed Oliver miss a game. Greg Rousseau's missed a game. Jordan Poyer's missed a game. Christian Benford's missed a game. Dane Jackson's missed a game. Shaq Lawson's missed a game. So what's next? It'd be silly for us to think that they're just going to be healthy the rest of the way. So how do you deal with the inevitable compounding of the problem and also play better? That leads me to back to the trade deadline discussion. For all the discussion about getting help on offense, maybe the more intelligent thing to do is help the defense where the reinforcements are more needed. And again, offensively, just play better. Make the plays that are there to be made. Defensively, you've experienced attrition, and a lot of those guys aren't coming back. And who knows what Von Miller is going to look like the rest of the season? Who knows? And who knows what injuries are coming? So maybe Brandon Bean's trade efforts, while I'd love a receiver, I'd love to go get Hunter Renfro. I wouldn't be mad about that at all. But maybe it would be more intelligent to go get yourself a linebacker or a corner or a defensive lineman to shore up an area of the football team that there isn't a clear path for improvement. All right, we're going to talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble here, a big-time injury update in just a moment. But, folks, I am obsessed with DoorDash. I'm not going to lie to you. The convenience of DoorDash is simply unmatched, especially in my busy life. I got a three-year-old. I got to do all this football content. I love it, but it's time-consuming. I got to watch a lot of it, a lot of show prep. It takes time. and especially on the weekends, right? I'm, I'm buried in, in a lot of responsibilities. Don't have a lot of time to get to the grocery store or restaurants. DoorDash is here for me. I love ordering food from my favorite local restaurants and even groceries all dropped off right at my front door. The consistency is outstanding. DoorDash brings me what I want, just like I picked it up for myself. And if there's ever a problem, they handle it immediately. So stop worrying about when you're going to find time to get to the grocery store. Stop worrying about what's for dinner. Stop worrying about what you're going to snack on and let DoorDash handle that for you. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangeduppills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangeduppills. He joins us each week, even on the short weeks, to get us ready for the upcoming Bills game. And we talked about this short week. The Bills got out of that game against the Patriots with a loss, but they were fairly healthy. So you don't feel like there's a whole lot of new stuff to get into. But what I do want to open up this conversation with is both Josh Allen and Von Miller, right? Two of your highest paid players, supposed to be some of your most impactful guys. Josh Allen played with that shoulder injury, and I'm curious if you noticed anything there that would tell you that something is off or something that impacted the way that he moves or is playing, but also Von Miller, only six snaps in the game. 
you heard a lot of commentary from both Von Miller and the coaches this week who were asked about it, just saying, hey, that's just how the game went, right? And there was also a clip from Thad Brown that showed Von being maybe just being a little ginger on one of his legs. Curious what you saw from both of those guys before we get into Ed Oliver and the other injuries. So we'll head on Josh Allen first. Uh, last week on the show here and into my articles at bangthebills.com, I had talked about the concerns with his accuracy and power, you know, throwing down the field. And we saw him missing throws left and right. And I know that he had roughly 60% in that ballpark of completion percentage. And I know that there was wind that was playing a factor of that game. But why does that explain why Mac Jones can be such a good thrower in the same conditions? And he is not known for a strong arm and he had much better completion, completion percentage. So just, I want to lay that out there first there. So we did see that Josh was maybe, you know, pushing the ball down the field too much or putting too much power behind his throws and whatnot. But we knew there was concern with AC joint sprain, having some accuracy with that. And we did see that at least in my eyes on Sunday. So um, pain was still an issue. We know that they can do injections prior to those games to help him get through that. I know at one point he did land on the shoulder and he did grab for it, which I'm sure he aggravated a little bit. I don't necessarily think you have more damage as a result, but still when you have a painful area, you hit it again, it's going to hurt. So I'm hoping just a few more days out from the original injury, you know, even on a short week, he should hopefully be a little bit better, but still I'm concerned with some accuracy issues. Fortunately for the weather around here in Buffalo right now, it's great. 70 degrees. It should be a good weather game for uh, Josh Allen come Thursday night, but still I'm concerned with just making sure that he's going to get the ball delivered to these receivers all right there. So it's unfortunate, but that's just football. That's how it goes here. And he's still the best option to play than if we had Kyle Allen or anybody else back there um, that was available from a free agent standpoint. As for Von Miller, he did only play six steps in the game. All of them were before the first half. And like you'd mentioned at the top there, Thad Brown had caught video of him limping a little bit after he tried getting back of the pocket. He fell down on the right knee, popped right back up, and then was limping a little bit. He had two plays after that where he really didn't put a ton of effort into it. And then he didn't, you know, was on the field the rest of the game. They said that was part of the game plan. He might have hit the knee. It might have been sore. And they said, hey, let's not risk it. I mean, he did come back at age 34 from a you know ACL tear. I don't want to say too aggressively. I think that the timeline was okay, but we were expecting him to come back a little bit later than what he did right now. So he might still be doing some soreness. He was on the injury report this week with vet rest slash knee. I think it's just being smart management with him being older and not getting that knee aggravated. And then, of course, having some type of quad injury or hamstring or something else like that, that's going to set them back even further. So um, Allen, I think it's going to be okay long-term at just working through this injury. And then Vaughn Miller, I think they're just being smart just to make sure that he's not going to aggravate things. But it's it's disheartening when you see that such a high-profile player, Vaughn Miller, can't get the snaps and continue ramping up. And he has, I don't want to call it a setback, but where he can't be available when you really need him. Yeah, it was interesting. Listening to Vaughn Miller on the Monday press conference, he said that it's the best practice he's had yet, and it was a walkthrough. Like, Vaughn, brother, you're not fooling anybody. You weren't you weren't in pads. You weren't doing anything besides walking through. You're over here telling us it's the best you felt. Come on, man. Uh, so that was a weird, weird little follow-up that he had. Uh, one quick follow-up on Josh. Is it just a management – is it just management of pain? Is there, like, a concern that something could be aggravated or worse and this becomes more problematic than just, hey, it's sore? I'm leaning more toward pain. I know that after Josh has suffered the injury, a lot of people were asking about was the same injury that Anthony Richardson, the Colts had had. Yes, it was, but obviously there's a difference in severity. Uh, Most AC joint sprains don't require surgery. Unfortunately, Richardson did, 
but it should be just a matter of just pain and just make sure that he has enough stability in the shoulder from a where the clavicle meets the acromion. So where he generates all the power from is more the rotator cuff and make sure he has a stability in the labrum. So he's okay. It just, the accuracy is affected a little bit. As long as he didn't take another massive hit to the shoulder where it really screws things up, he'll be okay, but it just still matter. Just make sure he manages the pain so he can go through his mechanics without any hesitation or flaws. So probably an indicator as to why he's not running as much. And I know that that was a trend that happened prior to the injury, but for those that are calling for Josh to go and be reckless and run the football and, you know, smash into guys, not the time for that. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about that, Oliver. There's uh there's four players with a designation. We're going to get to them. Uh, the one that is designated as questionable is at Oliver toe injury missed last week against the Patriots limited in practice all week. What do you got for us on that? Not a whole lot more than what we talked about last week. Um, I know they ruled him out prior to the game, and then he was out there uh, practicing a little bit during the media portion session last Friday. And the idea is, do you rest him against the Patriots, who you didn't think they needed him? Of course, they did. Do you let him rest so he can play on this Thursday? And then you have the mini buy on the back end. That's my thought going into this. We still don't have a great idea what's going on with the injury. I mean, you know, the never saw anything on films to just turf toe could have been stepped on. could be a muscle strain in there. It might come down to, can he generate enough power off that foot? Can he get through what he needs to, to, to generate the pressures necessary up the middle there? We know the Buccaneers run game isn't great, but can they get by without him another week? Or do you get him back out there and then use the bye week, the mini bye week, I should say, so that he can rest and recover, especially when you need him for Cincinnati the week thereafter. So it's just, comes down to, I guess, maybe how he's going to feel Thursday night. I'm leaning toward him playing because he missed Sunday. It gives him extra time off there. But, you know, the Bills have done weird things, especially this season with guys who have been trending in the right direction and then, you know, don't play for whatever reason. Yeah, we're having to throw out a lot of the rules and norms that we've developed over the last few years studying this stuff, and it doesn't apply (laughs) this year at all. Uh, let's get to Dawson Knox here. We know that uh, Sean McDermott has announced that he's going to have shoulder or excuse me, wrist, wrist surgery. He's going to miss time here. Um, and three weeks ago, you and I talked about this injury and it sounded pretty serious. And with Dawson playing through it the last two weeks, I, I can't help but wonder, did he play two weeks ago because Kincaid had a concussion? Did he play last week because Quentin Morris had the ankle sprain and then he just got to the point where it's like, hey, I can't be myself out there. We got to do something. He's going to miss time. Curious for any information that you have on uh, uh, Dawson Knox and that wrist. I think that's exactly what happened was he was forced into service because you needed a tight end who knew the offense and could still get out there and execute it. Even if you weren't the primary target, you still had to have somebody out there because what was the other option? Reggie Gilliam and Joel Wilson from the practice squad. That wasn't not if you want to run 12 personnel and all the other offensive things you want to do there. So he was kind of pressed in service, unfortunately. And now they realize and say, You've got some health guys, you know, some guys coming back. Let's get you right so we can have you for the playoffs if possible there. So, you know, just a quick recap. He injured the wrist after taking a helmet off off the wrist late in the Jaguars game, got taped back up, and then managed to play through the next two weeks there. Of course, the Bills are never going to tell us exactly what's going on, but the concerns when you have a wrist injury and he hadn't split at one point in the Sabres game, wasn't catching the ball very well, was there was at least a sprain Considering he's getting surgery, there might have been more of a partial tear or even a full tear in there. Um, 
possibility of fracture, but usually when you see a fracture in the wrist, they want to take care of it more acutely, which makes me think that there isn't a fracture in there because they were taking care of this two weeks ago. And we've seen historically with fractures in the past, they usually get surgery pretty quickly to stabilize everything and allow them to come back. Um, he had the metacarpal fracture last year, two years ago um, against, I think it was the Titans. And then Christian Brentford had his metacarpal fracture. And we've seen other examples of that. So I think it's more of a ligament damage in there. The most common ligament to suffer an injury during a wrist sprain or even partial tear is the scapholunate ligament, which comes over the top of the wrist there. And that connects where the scaphoid bone is and the lunate bone. Uh, we know it wasn't a wrist dislocation because that would have been more of an urgent situation to take care of that. He certainly could have had cartilage damage in there too, more on the pinky side, which could have led to some popping, clunking, clicking in that area. So he just didn't have the ability to really utilize the wrist and hand the way he wanted to. And of course, I saw more of the Giants game. He couldn't block with that right side. He was using more of his uh, forearm, his shoulder, try to get by. So they're doing the right thing and getting in surgery, getting that uh, wrist stabilized. Originally, I thought when I saw Scaffoluminate, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to be out four or six months. He might come back for the playoffs if you push it real quick there. But then digging into this a little bit more, I'd found this procedure where they could basically shrink wrap the ligaments. So they go in and apply this radiofrequency probe to the area, and they basically heat up the ligament enough to where it kind of shrink wraps and create stability in there. I don't know that it's a true fix, but it might allow him to come back. And then if they need to fix things later on in the off season, sure. But it might allow him to come back in four to six weeks. And I say four to six weeks because, you know, your bye week is week 13. You know, do they put him on IR, you know, prior to week eight and then allow him to get that four weeks and then start working back in? Or do you put him on afterward, see how the trade deadline comes out and then use that bye week as an extra week to get right. And then you, reintroduce him in week 14 against the Chiefs there. So there's a lot of moving pieces still, and I'm sure they're going to do something from a roster standpoint to bring in other buys because he still needs somebody. Um, it's a, it's unfortunate, but at least they're taking care of it now, and hopefully he should be able to come back a lot sooner without a major drop-off in performance than if he had a full reconstruction and he's out with no guarantee he's going to come back this season. Kyle, you're using a lot of big words on me here today, <laughs> man. I'll tell you, i got going to be having, getting, get out the dictionary to learn about some of these words you're dropping. Uh, one more guy to get to here, Balin Spector, the linebacker, uh, started the season on injured reserve with a hamstring injury. Here we are, didn't practice all week with a hamstring injury. He ruled out for the game. Also, we know Quentin Morris is ruled out for the game with the ankle. We talked about that last week. It's probably going to be a few more weeks there. What about Balin Spector? It's a shame. You know, he he was having an all right camp. Um, you know, he got, was getting first team reps early on in camp and then they kind of settled him into the depth player. And then, you know, special teams suffers a hamstring strain on the right side, you know, late in the, the third preseason game, they move him under injured reserve to let him get right there. Comes back. He's played in 28 total snaps on special teams. And that's where his primary, um, contribution has been so far. And then I don't know when he suffered the hamstring strain. I'm like, likely that he suffered it late in the game. I haven't had a chance to go back and look because I was working on the Dawson Knox stuff, to be honest. And you don't know whether it's going to be a true setback where he, he gets shelved for the year because if he gets put on R, he's done. He can't come back again. But um, it's just really unfortunate. And the chances for hamstring reoccurrence of uh, the strain is about 33% within a 12-month window. He fit that 33%, unfortunately. So it's just it's really unfortunate that a young developing player you put some time and effort into can't even be available, especially with the depth issues we're seeing at middle linebacker and the linebacking core as a whole there. So we'll wait and see what happens, how when he can come back. But um I 
I don't see him playing a week nine, maybe week 10. We'll see how it goes, but they're going to be very cautious. And the team has been pretty good about not having those hamstring re-aggravations later on down the line there. So it's just, it's been an awful season for injuries. You know, we thought it was going to be better. And unfortunately that's not the case right now. Important note there. If I heard you correctly, Bale Inspector, if he goes on IR, you can't come off a second time. So that means he's shut down for the year. That's how I've interpreted it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we'll obviously pay attention uh, to that. We'll learn a lot more about the severity. Hopefully the Bills can get through this game nice and healthy and have this mini buy and really get um, as healthy as they can going into this stretch. Obviously some big, big, not divisional games, but big conference matchups with the Bengals and the Chiefs and of course, another one with the Jets and all that's coming up. So get healthy and play better, right? That would be another helpful thing is if you played better with the players that are healthy. Anyways, that's for the rest of the conversation. We appreciate you being here to talk about these injuries as you do each and every week. I try to deliver what I can. Um, if you guys want to read more about the Dawson Knox injury, go over to my site, bangedupbills.com. It's up there with all the details and you know further timelines and whatnot. So as always, Joe, thank you and go Bills. Folks, snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. For real, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on this action. The app is super easy to use and navigate, and there's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including spreads, player props. Player props is what I love. You can go in there and they'll say, all right, how many passing yards will Josh Allen have? How many receiving yards for Stefan Diggs, Dalton Gagate, rushing yards, whatever it is, and you can pick more or less. And that's where I've been winning over at FanDuel. They've got over-unders on point totals, futures bets, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's more important than ever to make sure that you are prepared. And we know with the current events going on right now, it can affect supply chain shortages, especially for medications and getting them in a timely manner. And there's a solution to that problem, and it's the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections, and you can customize your case, and add additional medications based on your own personal unique needs. And look, Jace is always working to expand their offerings, and they've also got gift cards available. So like if you have a family member or a loved one that you would love to have one of these Jace cases for, you can give them a gift card, and they can get a personalized Jace case based on their own needs for themselves. So go to jacemedical.com and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at Jace Medical, J A S E Medical.com. All right, folks, let's get to my predictions. But I do want to give you an update on the Lockdown Bill subtext community. It has been going so well. I've enjoyed it so much. Uh, texting back and forth with everybody, giving you my live analysis during games, uh, giving you my first reaction to all major Bills news. I want to add to it. And one of my big objectives going forward with this podcast and something that I've tried to do, but I think I can do even better is create more community. I want to build community uh, amongst myself and those of you who consume this podcast. I always enjoy that so much whenever I'm in person at a game or I do an event or I meet listeners of the podcast. It's so good. I enjoy it so much. And I want to lean into that even more. And so nothing is going to change with the subtext. We're going to keep doing what we're doing there. 
but I'm adding a Discord channel for those who subscribe to the subtext. So you may be asking, what, what is Discord? Well, it's a text, video, and a voice chat app that's going to allow us to connect even more. And one of my favorite things that I'm going to do is I'm going to share film clips, right? So I'm when I'm spending these Mondays and this week, Fridays, breaking down this all 22 film, I want to share it with you and show you the things that I'm looking at and the things that will show up in the analysis. Because unfortunately, I, I can't post it on YouTube, right? And there's copyright restrictions and it's against company policy that I, I post it on the YouTube channel. And Twitter, not a lot of people have Twitter. And look, there's a lot of friends that I have that their Twitter accounts have been wiped out for sharing film clips. And I can't I can't put myself in that position. I can't lose my account for sharing film clips. And well, from time to time, I will share a film clip, but not to the volume that I want to. So I want to use Discord to share a lot of that and just engage more with you guys. And it's more of a group text uh, type scenario. So that way, you know, common discussion points I can chime in on and we can talk together about it, right? As opposed to just the one-on-one. Now, we will still have one of the one-on-one text messaging. That that doesn't change at all. Uh, but I want to add this layer. Um, and so I'm going to launch it soon, probably on Thursday. And so any current subscribers, you'll get a text message when it's ready for uh, with instructions on how you can join. And then anybody that signs up as well, um, you'll get those in, that information as well when it's available. And anybody that signs up in the future, you'll get that information as well. But uh, check it out. Locked on Bill subtext community. There's going to be a discord that goes with it. There's a link in today's show notes to join. So if you're interested, uh, click on the show notes, click the link to join, and uh, you'll get into the subtext right away. But then as soon as I have the discord set up, you'll be able to join that as well. And I'm very excited for how that can create more community and allow me to share even more of my process. And we could talk bills. We could talk sabers. You know, I'm kind of getting into the sabers this year. I've watched every game. I would love to kind of learn from you guys. You probably know a whole lot more about hockey than me. Share the film clips. We can talk about life, whatever. Check it out. Lockdown Bill subtext community now offering a Discord channel to go with it. All right, prediction time. Every week I've been telling you I've been doing a bad job at this. So I'm going to go for some different things here. Uh, my brother, actually, my brother Frank, he sent me a text um, after after the Patriots game. So I posted my podcast. It must have been on Monday. He sent me a text. He goes, Joe, maybe if you've predicted some negative things, you'd have more success uh, with your predictions. So I've got some negative things here, and I have some things that are more about the Bucks than the Bills. So I'm going to switch it up here to try to do a little bit better job uh, of hitting on these predictions. But I don't want to give you softball predictions. Like I said, I can predict, oh, Josh Allen will complete at least 10 passes. Nobody cares about that. Got to give you stuff that's going to um, be a little bit bold, but also most importantly, I want to tell a story with my predictions and give you some insight into how I think the game could unfold and some of the key variables and how that would show up with a number, right? So here we go. Let's let's get into this. This is going to feel different this week, and that's because it's supposed to. Number one, I predict that Devin White, Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker Devin White, his sackless streak will end. Devin White has gone 13 consecutive games without a sack, and he's one of the best rush linebackers in the league in terms of blitzing and, and getting sacks. He had a nine-sack season a couple of years ago. He hasn't had one in 13 consecutive games. I think he gets one against the Bills. And here's what this comes down to. Josh Allen against the Patriots was a mess in terms of IDing rushers, knowing where 
guys were going to come from and, and working away from that. And I think Devin White is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the NFL. He's six foot, 240 pounds, explosive athlete. And I think that he will, he'll get Josh Allen on the ground at some point in this game. And so put me down for Devin White getting a sack, his first sack in the last 13 games. Number two, I think the Bills' interceptionless streak continues. The Bills have not had an interception since Miami, right? That felt like 100 years ago, Miami. They've been three straight games without picking off a pass. Make it four. Baker Mayfield, 2.5% turnover-worthy plays. That's bottom 10 in the NFL in terms of least amount of turnover-worthy plays. He's very low in big-time throw percentage, so he's he's just not putting it in harm's way. He's not being risky. And so I think that the Bills will once again not have an interception in this game. Now here's a positive prediction for the Bills. I think that Dalton Kincaid is top two in the Bills for receiving yards. I think that he proved a lot last week against the Patriots. And I think Josh Allen will lean even more into him and give him a lot of opportunity. And I don't love the matchups, to be honest with you, for a lot of the other weapons that the Bills have. So I think Diggs leads the team in receiving yards. Dalton Kincaid is number two. So put me down for Dalton Kincaid in the top two for the Bills in receiving yards on Thursday night. Number four, I predict that Gabe Davis will be under 40 reception yards, uh, 40 receiving yards in this game for the fourth time in the last six games and fifth time in seven games so far this year. I hate this matchup for Gabe Davis. Uh, These are big, long, physical, athletic press corners. It's a nightmare for Gabe Davis. These guys should be able to uh, stay all over him. Uh, Gabe's not a separator. These guys are the type of corners that will crowd uh, receivers. And if you can't be shifty and shake them, you know, they're going to be all over you. And so I just don't see a lot of opportunity for Gabe Davis in this game. So put me down for him having 40 or less receiving yards for the fifth time this season. Lastly, I do think the Bills win this game. Um, Do I have a lot of confidence in that? Probably not as much as I should for uh, the context, right? A short week home game, they're favored by eight and a half. Uh, But I do think that they win. If there's anything that the Bills have done consistently well under Sean McDermott, it's not lose back-to-back games. Uh, Since 2020, they have the second-best win percentage coming off of a loss, the highest average margin of victory. I do think that they win this game. I think it's very helpful that they're at home. They've been a better team at home than they have been on the road. Um, It's a short week, and that always favors you on Thursday night football. So there's enough there that allows me to lean into the Bills. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have their own issues. They, They have really struggled to run the football. They've been situationally poor on defense. They've given up some explosive plays. And so, you know, you're, you're focused on the Bills issues. The Bucks got issues too. And um, there's, uh, there's just, I mean, it's Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen's at home. You got to win that game, right? You got to win that game. So put me down for a Bills win. So real quick, Devin White gets a sack. The Bills do not get an interception. Dalton Kincaid is top two in receiving yards for the Bills. Gabe Davis under 40 receiving yards and the Bills win. All right, there you have it, the haze in the barn. The conversations we're going to have about the Buccaneers on this podcast are over, but I will be back right after the game going live on Bleacher Report. And then, of course, I'll give you my post-game reaction pod, all 22 review coming on Friday. Get in this Lockdown Bill subtext community 
so you can get into the Discord and so I can send you these film clips and show you all these criticisms or praises that I have for the Bills, and I want to just connect with you guys even more. So thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed. As always, I do ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills! And I look forward to catching up with you again after Thursday Night Football.